You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about leading and living worship. For more information, resources, and to get the book Worshipology, go to curtisparks.com. Now, let's lean in to today's episode. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to the Worshipology podcast. This is a podcast for worship teams, worship leaders, and worshipers of Jesus. And uh, listen, today uh, we are kicking off season three with none other than uh, my main dude out in California, John Cassetto. Say what's up to Worshipology. Hey, everybody. Really glad to be here, Curtis. Honestly, just so honored to, to sit here with you. Man, I'm just so jazzed for this uh, conversation because I've known you for about... I don't know, 10, 11 years? When did we meet? I think it was 2011. I think it's been almost 13 years. We were out in Washington, DC. And yeah, I think it was 2011. We were uh, having our Spanish service at the Gala Theater that mm-hmm. night. I met mm-hmm. John and his wife, Steph, amazing yep. couple. And yep. uh, it wasn't long after y'all invited me to come out and lead worship at Saddleback. Here at Saddleback, yeah, yeah. And, and I gotta say, I've, I've been to some churches, John. Uh, I know. What yeah. you guys have at Saddleback is unlike mm-hmm. any other place I've ever been mm-hmm. in my life. And, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the culture and what life is like out in Orange yeah. County ministry. Yeah. But dude, for those who may not know John Cassetto, why don't you share a little of your story and how you yeah. where you are? Yeah. Well, I, I remember those days like yesterday, Curtis, first of all. Um, yeah. So I get to lead the worship ministries here at Saddleback Church. We um, are based in Orange County, California. Um, but we have locations throughout Southern California, uh, up in Los Angeles, all the way down to San Diego and everywhere in between. And then we also have five international locations. Uh, so Hong Kong, Berlin, Buenos Aires, Vancouver, um, uh, Manila. Uh, and so we just have worship team and worship culture, uh, intercessory culture and all of those locations that it's just a joy to to do my level best day after day to shepherd that space, to shepherd those leaders, um, to to honor the vision f- of our lead pastors, uh, Andy and Stacy Wood, was Pastor Rick and Kay uh, Warren for a long time. And over the last, I guess it's been about 18 months that Andy and Stacy have been leading this house and they're amazing. And so just running alongside them to just curate space where the presence of God is felt and people, you know, Andy says repeatedly, you know, we believe wholeheartedly at Saddleback that just a, a moment with God can change a person's life wow. for forever. And um, so we're just doing our best to set the table for that uh, in all of our locations while still being really mindful of our hospitality towards our guests, people that are brand new, uh, maybe a bit suspicious or concerned about church. Uh, so balancing this, these moments of power and presence with hospitality towards our guests. So, yeah, so I've been doing that uh, for, gosh, almost uh, 13 years here at Saddleback. Prior to that, um I was in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, at a great local church in wow. New Hampshire. I was the worship pastor there for 14 years. Wow. Uh, church was, you know, pretty small when we started, and then we just watched God do something really remarkable. Mm-hmm. And for those of you listening that might know anything about the Northeast or New England in particular, um, it's a place where prevailing churches are needed and wanted. And we got to really watch God do something really special in Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, for about 14 years. And, and so we were, we just really got our, 
just we were developed in this quiet space, but yet also a really special space under the covering of really special pastoral leadership, men and women who modeled so much good things for us. Um, so yeah, we've been at two church. We we graduated Bible college and then we went to New Hampshire and then we came to Saddleback and blinked our eyes. And it's been like almost 27 years in full-time ministry. Yeah. It's crazy, man. And what it I say when you talk about those two stints is just, I'm mm -hmm. just reminded of Eugene Peterson's long faithfulness in the same direction. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, those are kind of, I think worship leader years are like dog years, right? They yeah, got, right. <laughs> they got a little extra, especially today's day and age where, you know, it's just, it's so easy. The world is so small. Everything's so mobile. Mm -hmm. It's easy to jump from one ship to the next. And, you know, you and Steph have just stayed that course. Talk to me a little bit about um, you know, especially at Saddleback, you know, uh, back when I went uh, to visit mm -hmm. you guys, uh, Rick and Kay were there. Of course, now mm -hmm. you've got uh, Andy and Stacy, new leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's, uh, you know, followed kind of that journey has just seen, looks like a beautiful transition. Talk to me about, yeah. um, as a worship pastor, uh, how, how yeah. you kind of walk through such a, a giant transition of a church that's so well known and how yeah. you with such grace, man. Well, it, I, I mean, you're really kind. And, you know, to say that it's been easy would not be telling the whole story, but because it, there have definitely been things that have been easy for sure. Mm -hmm. um, our new pastors are so awesome. Like it's hard to describe. They walk with the Lord and they know the voice of the Lord. Um, and so when you're, you're led by people like that, um, th there sure is a grace for all of the, the clunky things. There's always clunky things in any organization, right? And an organization that's, like I said, you know, 21 locations and all the things that that we have going on at church, no one expected anybody to know that stuff overnight. So there's a grace that covers that. Um, but what was coming to my mind as you were as you were saying that is our our role as worship team as um, lead worshipers in this house and whether that's vocalists or instrumentalists or even in production with people on cameras or at consoles, yeah. um, we're just to magnify the Lord, mm. right? And the Lord didn't change <laughs> during our transition. Our, our lead pastors changed, but the God who created us, who has a plan and a purpose for us, he did not change. So, Ultimately, our job didn't change in terms of what we do week after week. It's to magnify the Lord. He says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself, right? We feel like we have to get cute with the way we do things and try the new things. Whatever. But basically, I think his instructions were lift me up and I'll do the rest. Wow. And so, yeah, we've tweaked a lot of things stylistically or even strategically. But at the end of the day, the big part of what we do as team didn't change. We're still lifting up the name of Jesus. We're still putting his name in lights. We're still trying to figure out how to somehow step to the background and let his name and his fame be, be at the foreground. And so trying to keep that perspective for team as we've navigated a lot of change. But I, I would say our team feels strong about where we're at um, and, and have an honor of like, gosh, and it's a pretty big transition, you know, just lots of historic things there. 
But to be a team that's on the front lines of carrying church through those seasons, uh, writing the songs, leading the songs, curating the space for people to just respond to the God who never changes. Because, I mean, in our in our environment, there was a lot of people's faith journey um, that was clearly centered on Jesus. But the people that really ushered them into that relationship were Rick and Kay in a lot of ways. And they did it so beautifully and so consistently and so graciously for so long. I knew that that was a big change for, for me and for so many of the people around me. But we did feel like, well, let's just keep pointing them to the one that hasn't changed. Wow. Let's just keep singing the songs that are vertical to the one who is unchanging. So, yeah. I think you're hitting a chord because there's so many things that have changed in our yeah. over these last yeah. five years in particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you just said, it really resonates with me because our job never changes. Um, you know, it was interesting. I was just sitting with uh, a guy, his name's Melvin, and he's, you know, interning with us over these next few months. And, oh, cool. um, you know, I, I get to kind of just sit with him on Mondays for about an hour and we just mm-hmm. dive into the word and, and, uh, and I want to talk about mentorship because that's something that you've done so well, you guys together uh, mm-hmm. have done out there in California. But, you know, we just kind of said, hey, the job of a worship leader is always the same. Just just tell how good God is. Yeah. Songs of how good and how faithful, yeah. how unchanging yeah. he is. Dude, yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about the, the culture out there because yeah. uh, being there for over 10 years, uh, mm-hmm. let's, what, almost 13, 14 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the culture that you guys have, and I even recognized it 12 years ago, um, it's so special because you guys don't lead from on stage every Sunday. Man, I, I, I've rarely seen a team that loves their worship pastors as much as it seems your team just loves you guys. Um, talk about that, the culture of, of, of love and just how you guys kind of do yeah. things. How it might well, be. Man, I appreciate that. Um, you know, when I started, I was actually picking up this mantle from a very special leader who I hold in such high regard. Uh, Pastor Rick Machow had led the worship ministries uh, here at Saddleback for nearly or 30 years, I believe. Um, I admired him. I appreciate him so much. Um, you know, he had a he had a really he had a, he battled brain cancer at the end. So he's celebrating his victory with Jesus in heaven now. Um, but yeah, we, um, we took that baton from him when he passed it to us and I had like five minutes to figure out what we were doing. (laughs) Saddleback runs pretty fast. And, um, and I just knew like we were growing at the time church in terms of like campuses, we were starting new campuses and I just didn't have like a week to go away and seek the Lord. And, um, but I did have a morning. And I can remember um, just putting a sign on my door that was just like, hey, guys, I'm just I just need some time here. And I I wasn't even out like in the mountains or at the beach or anything. I was in my office and I just said, God, I need you to show me like something, something, because this is bigger than I ever imagined. I came from New Hampshire. okay? like what what, what's going on? Um, And he I looked at a bunch of verses, Curtis. And I was in Psalm 40, where it talks about, you know, 
I waited patiently for the Lord. Um, I cried out to him. He heard my cry. He pulled me out, set my feet on a rock, put a new song in my mouth. And I thought, yes, Lord, give us a new song in this season. But I I really felt like people would latch on to that passage uh, more as like, oh, great, we're going to write new songs, which we were. And I knew we wanted to, but that wasn't my first priority. Um, and then I was over in first Corinthians where Paul is giving like all this instruction on how to conduct ourselves in worship when non-believers are present. And I'm like, wow, this is, of course, this is who Saddleback is. Like, we're very mindful of our guests. We really want to set a table for people who are far from God and are exploring faith. But Paul is real specific and down in it there. And I'm like, man, I don't know that that's it, but I literally just looked on the other side of the page, because that's 1 Corinthians 14. Well, 1 Corinthians 13 is right next to this. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's all about love. Love is patient, love is kind, the whole resounding gong and clanging symbol. And so there's this beautiful chapter about love. And literally, immediately, he goes to talk about worship. But there's this one little verse in the translation that I was reading that connects these two chapters. It's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. And it says, let love be your highest goal. Wow. And I'm not kidding. You're you're too young, so you won't remember. But when I was a kid, we used to put on these 3D glasses. One side was red, one side was blue. Okay. And it was in the, it was like I had 3D glasses on, and that verse just jumped off the scripture to me. Mm. Because it struck me that it didn't say, let new songs be your highest goal, let new stage design be your highest goal, let getting younger be your highest goal, let new gear be your highest goal. It said, let love be your highest goal. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the Lord was saying, okay, John, if you're going to shepherd this, the most important thing is to make sure we're building a culture of love, love of God and love of each other. And so we just kind of, we literally wrote it on the walls, put it on t-shirts. Like, it's like, but what about the, like, you know, Psalm 100, make a joyful noise or sing to the Lord a new song. Like, shouldn't those be your scriptures? I'm like, yeah, they probably should. But right now let's just love each other and love God. And uh, we really built this ministry on that verse. Hmm. Have we done it well? I don't know, Curtis. I think there's been seasons where we look back and it's like, man, COVID was hard. We ran really fast. There was a lot going on. We went through COVID making all these videos and we were building an outside venue to accommodate people in COVID. Then we were redoing our inside venue. There was pastoral transition in there. Like it was rough. Did we nail it? I don't know if we hit the bullseye. Um, But I can also tell you other seasons where I feel like, man, we were right at the center of that scripture. And um, at least it's been our aim to really build a ministry rooted in the love of God and love for each other. You know, just as somebody on the other side of the country, I can just remember walking through uh, some of those dark nights of COVID and uh, getting on Instagram or Facebook and seeing a post that you had put Mm up. Every single time, for some reason, I think the Holy Spirit would just prick my heart and I would read those and just walk away encouraged and filled with hope. And, you know, I think you guys are doing something special out there. Mm And it's interesting to me because you're not only here in the States with, you know, dozens of campuses, but you've got international campuses too. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about that a little bit as you travel and get to kind of visit some of these other nations and and see their their culture and their worship. And and what Mm -hmm. does that look like as it comes back to the U.S.? Is it a little bit of push and pull? Is it a little bit of, hey, 
you guys have just as much as maybe we can impart something to you. Yeah, we are, you know, Curtis, you've, you've been so blessed to have some really special experiences and partners in ministry over the years. Um, I grew up in a small town in Illinois. Um, I grew up in a church that no one will ever write a book about. Um, that's probably not the sexiest thing on Instagram. And then I was in this church in New Hampshire for 14 years. And, um, you know, God carved something in me. Um, so, and when I was so little, I didn't know it. You know, if the doors of the church were open, our family was there. My mom played the organ. My dad taught, taught Sunday school. Uh, my dad would do the communion meditation uh, occasionally. My mom led the kids' choirs. Um, but we grew up around women and men who um, were not paid to be in the house. They chose to be in the house. They they chose to speak the scriptures over us. They taught us songs that were just scripture, right? They 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 literally buried the word in our hearts. Wow. And then we go to Bible college. We went out to New Hampshire, and we were around the same types of men and women. And we grew up, and we we kind of cut our teeth before the iPhones, <laughs> before Instagram. Uh, when texting took a long time because you had to press every button 12 times to get the right letter. Um, so we were a bit more present, I think, in just our current and real circumstances. Mm. And I guess the reason I'm saying that is to say, whether it's been those experiences, my friends in ministry in United States, all over the world doing amazing things, or people here at Saddleback, or even our internationals, the ones that I think get it, <laughs> the ones who I think are doing something very special, there's the common thread of just knowing the Lord. Mm -hmm. And you don't know the voice of the Lord without spending time with Him, without spending time off of social media, without spending time uh, off of Spotify, within silence. Um, wrestling with him. Um, and we were just in Berlin at our Saddleback Berlin campus in Germany. And then by God's grace, we actually got to go into Poland. We went over to the Ukrainian border where it's just, um, just really heart-wrenching what's happening. Uh, just the millions of refugees coming over into Poland from there. And we met with church leaders, particularly worship leaders and worship teams. And, um, we were face-to-face -face with people. Our Berlin campus is one of our smaller size campus, but don't be fooled. They are as fervent for the Lord. They are pursuing His heart in a way that's so special. We're in Poland meeting with um, men and women who were um, displaced and left everything, but still placed their feet on the rock of Jesus Christ, set up shop and started a church for people looking for it. Wow. And um, there's just something common when those of us, and I know there's people listening to this that are in the same thing. There's, there's people who, you know, somewhere along the line, it's like, who do we all know? Who's got the albums? Who's got the lights? Who's got the Instagram quips or whatever? But there's so many heroes out there that we'll never know until eternity that are doing the good work of the gospel. 
And so for me, we're just trying to, it's such an honor, you know, Steph and I get to shepherd this community, but we don't have the rigor of having to do what like guys like you have done, Curtis, where it's the actual picking up the guitar week after week after week. We get to shepherd those people. We get to shepherd those artists, those servants. And um, I, you know, I could talk all day about this. Sorry, I'm going on long here, Curtis. But um, um, but our joy is just reminding people, you know, about our one thing. Who is our one thing? What was our first love? You know, that 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 encouragement and revelation, like you have lost your first love. We, if we're honest, we've all been in a season where we've lost that first love. And some of us have to do that and still pick up a guitar or still lead or whatever. It is such an honor to remind people of the first love, of the one thing, because it's so easy for what we do, anyone who's listening. It's so easy for it. I mean, we should stop calling most of us worship teams and call us music teams because it has become somewhere along the line about our wardrobe and camera angles and song mixes and all of that. And I think some of that can bring God pleasure if it's bathed in that Acts chapter two, one anothering and reaching out to our communities. But if we don't have someone in our lives championing the one thing, the real thing, the first love, not letting it just be about music and mix and arrangement and release dates and all of that, I kind of make peace with all of that, with planning center and all, which I love. I'm so grateful for these tools, but I can't find any of it in the Bible. (laughs) And so I make peace with it when we do it in an Acts 2 kind of environment where they shared with one another everything they had. They had everything in common with one another. No one had need among them. Do you know what I mean, Curtis? Like, that's that's what we're trying to, to cultivate uh, across the globe in our teams. And we see so many people doing that so well uh, that really inspire us. It's amazing, man. I've been... Uh in A.W. Tozer a lot lately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've got this trilogy of books. It's all put together, you know, The Pursuit of God, Purpose of Man, Crucified Life. Yep. It, it is just kind of wrecking me right now because, you know, it's interesting. In, in The Crucified Life, he kind of opens up and just talks about um, what will you do with Jesus? Mm. You know, it's not a question of what do you think of church? What do you think of the Bible? What do you think of Christianity? It's, it's what do you think about Jesus? Yeah. What are you going to do with that? Yeah, I think worship leaders need to be reminded of that question. Okay, all this other stuff. Right. What do you think about Jesus? Right. And what are you going to do with them? Right. And and you just you just hit it on the head about talk about that a little bit more. Like, yeah, reminding all of us to to keep our first love. Reminding all of us to keep the main thing, the main thing. To keep that God never changes, and our job is to magnify Him. How do you mm-hmm. cultivate that in your own heart mm-hmm. and in your own? life and family and then how does that just spill out into your surroundings john yeah first of all i love tozer as well pursuit of god he's got a great worship book uh maybe a couple that uh, that are so strong um um i i don't know and and i come to you and i'm saying this as a man who has not always got it right that's for sure um but i told you we were in new hampshire and we were kind of doing our thing there and this is before Instagram and Facebook and all of that. 
And I was very young, just out of college. And there was this church about 30 minutes down the road that I really admired. Like I thought they were doing things that were really creative and really inspiring to lost people and to believers alike. And I reached out to the person shepherding the creative ministries. And and, and I'm not kidding you, Curtis. I would have given like my my right arm for to develop a relationship and like a friend in ministry. Um, because the New England soil is tough and different. And I mean, you know, as someone who sowed seas in the Northeast in Washington, DC. Um and and we never really developed that. Uh, towards the end of my time there, we kind of did. But um, I just I that that also marked me to say like I know what it was like to be this quiet space, just you know, hands on the plow, tilling the soil, season after season, um, wishing for some friends, <laughs> worship worshiping or wishing for some people who had gone before. Um, and peers, I, you know, God was so kind. I've always had such close peers doing it, but I also thought, man, we just, we got to stick together because what we do is a bit strange. And, um, especially back then there, and there wasn't as many of us, um, full time getting to curate these space, uh, lead and love artists and, uh, technical artists. Um, and so, I don't know. I don't even know where I was going with that, Curtis, other than like, it really did mark me to say we have to have champions who've gone before us, sharing the vulnerabilities, sharing the the pitfalls, sharing the cautions and the victories, mm-hmm. right? Because my experience is there's no shame to share the victory either. You know, if you're on the mountaintop, praise God and shout all about it because most of us need to be reminded that there's still a mountaintop, that we're, that we're still ascending. But also when we're in the valley, there's no shame in that either, because we know we there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so my wife, Steph, is so, so strong. Um, she talks a lot about the seasons of the soul. Mm. And, you know, in New Hampshire, we, we know what winter is, <laughs> um, the season of winter, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, um, and, and she calls them winter walkers. People that are just walking through the season of winter. And and I can't help but imagine that there's somebody listening to this podcast who is in a season where they're walking through winter, um, maybe, maybe literally, but maybe mostly spiritually or emotionally. Um, what we say to those walking in winter is to keep walking. Mm, that's good. Keep walking um, because the winter doesn't last. Um, and before you know it, you will start seeing um, the shoots of green and uh, the crocus is beginning to pop out and the sun shining again. But it does take work, the work of walking through, the work of listening to God, sh- uh, sharing honestly with friends and family, uh, the challenges that you're facing in life or ministry. Um I sat yesterday with a brother who uh, is a volunteer on our team and just he's walking through hard stuff, but kind of coming out on the other side. And, and there's something holy in that space. And by God's grace, I've, I've had people like that in my life that I'm just really thankful for. And so, um, yeah, I don't know to, to those who are in summertime and it's wonderful. Praise God. Don't ever stop talking about it. We need to hear it. Some of us are in autumn where there's a lot of change 
like winds of change are blowing. There's been so much change in the post-pandemic church. We just don't know what to do or where we're going. Um, Keep walking. Keep walking through fall and autumn. And to those in spring, like I was I was with a friend who there's a new opportunity they're stepping into. They have no idea if it's going to be amazing or awesome, but they're full of faith and hope. And it's like, oh, my gosh, they're in the best springtime. Like, it's it's great. So to wherever the listeners are walking, man, I'm just we need each other and we need to just keep walking with each other no matter what the season. You know, there's rarely uh, a conversation on here where I get to talk to somebody that I feel like has such a thick skin and soft heart and mm. and you you carry that so well you can definitely tell that you just have such a shepherd's heart and uh i think you know the phrase uh this too shall pass just kept coming to my mind okay look we got maybe five minutes left oh, okay, great. i gotta ask you a question I, I love asking especially worship pastors um man what's the holy spirit speaking to you right now what's the lord just whispering to you in those quiet times mm-hmm. uh just kind of dropping in your heart something that maybe just on repeat as you are yeah. leading and loving and just doing this thing called ministry. Um, who it's it's personal, um, and it's actually about prayer. Um, it's that if if you have a call to, to me, and I think this might be for you and for anyone else listening as well. If you have a call to worship, you have a call to prayer. Wow. Somewhere along the line, we we uncoupled those two things. But worship is prayer. Yeah. yeah. With set to music. It's it's our prayers with melodies and rhythms. And again, I can't say it enough. I I love, I love worship. Like I love the new worship things. I love the old worship things. I love the really old worship thing. Like, I love it. I love it so much. But at the end of the day, if if we're not in prayer, if we're not in dialogue with our creator throughout our day, then it is a show. It is a performance, right? And so the Lord has just been just really urging me to cultivate a life of prayer the last year and a half. And, um, and so... The discipline of praying, the discipline of reading through his word, praying scripture back to the Lord and listening to what he's saying, letting, uh, you know, a word we don't like to say a ton of just meditating on the word, meditating and listening to the Holy Spirit, being in his presence. Our whole church right now is reading through the New Testament in eight weeks. Um, I mean, can you imagine like we're like on week five of eight right now. We're already different. I can't imagine what the Lord's going to do with us after eight weeks of the whole church, thousands and thousands of people reading the New Testament. God wants to mark us. You know, He doesn't just want us to put on a show for Him. He doesn't want us to just go through the motions. And I think we get marked in the quiet place, in the prayer closet. The decisions that come out of the prayer closet last far longer than the decisions made in the boardroom. Um Right. And so, like, the prayer room is where it's at. I love the boardroom. The things need to happen there. Decisions need to get made there. But it's when we come out of the prayer room with a revelation that we need to stop something or we need to start something or whatever. And so, I think for me, it's like to those listening, if, if you have a call to worship, you have a call to prayer. 
And it's time to pick up the books about prayer. It's time to read the scriptures about prayer. It's time to stop talking about praying and start praying. It's time to setting alarms to, to be praying. It's time to get at coffee with someone and start praying in a coffee shop. It's time to stop starting meetings without honest and fervent prayer. And because for me, we got good along the way. There's an, with a lot of respect, there's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of books, and there's a lot of YouTubes that have taught us much. But there are things that we can only learn in those quiet spaces of prayer. And so that's that's what the Lord's been saying to me. I think that's a challenge and it's honest for all of us because we can get so busy that we just forget that sweet, still communion. And yeah. we've actually had this thing in our church, um, start everything with prayer. So, so yes. we start our creative meetings with prayer. We start yes. our prayer. We start even our rehearsals with prayer. And, you know, it was, it was fun even starting this podcast with prayer. Yep. And, something that happens when in that split second god's like oh cool I i'm invited here now like yeah. oh, oh, oh you want me to be a part of this all right let me yeah. let me let me be a part yeah. of this and everything's just better with prayer john yeah. I, I love your heart so much uh, i love your family it's mm -hmm. exciting to see uh, your boys get into that college age yeah. yeah well curtis thank you i love you man i'm so proud of you i'm so grateful for you and i think you said you're gonna have Dwan hill on this season Yes, he's, he's slated to come up Oh, there. gosh. I love that guy. The joy of the Lord is on him and the anointing. I mean, I, I can't wait to listen to that. It's going to be good. It's going to be yeah. good. John, we're going to put some uh, just ways to keep up with Saddleback and uh, see what the Lord is doing in your house on the show notes. Thank you for your time, brother. Love you, man. Love you, too. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and find resources for your team, you can visit curtisparks.com and grab the book at worshipologybook.com.